Al Berry and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry. Along with me is Tim Parrish. Tim, how are you doing? Are you staying safe? I am fantastic. Hunkered down here in my bunker filled with toilet paper. Hunkering in the bunker. Yep, that's right. In your got my uh, hockey cards. I got my toilet paper. Got a couple bottles of Mountain Dew. I'm ready to wait this out for a couple hours. Couple hours. Yeah, it's only supposed to last a couple hours, right? No, no, no. This is gonna be couple, couple. I don't know days, weeks. They keep changing it. So I know as of um, Sunday, the CDC imposed new guidelines. Not imposed. Su- had new suggested guidelines. Uh, originally, it was no gathering of over 250 people. Then that went down to 50 people. Then Monday, it went down to 10 people. Uh, they're saying social distancing. Stay home if you don't have to be out. Stay home. I know in a lot of states, restaurants have been closed except for takeout and for delivery. Um, I mean, grocery stores have been staying open. But of course, obviously, a lot happened since our last podcast, which went live on uh, last week, Thursday, we talked about the uh, um, NHL playing some games in front of empty stadiums. Well, that never happened because uh, as of uh, last week, Thursday, the NHL decided to pause its season for a while indefinitely until a decision has to be made. Uh, likewise, the AHL followed suit. Um, a lot of other hockey leagues have followed suit it's even trickled down to local hockey like where i play in chicago so it's just been really crazy a lot of the uh just just how fast all of this has happened in in you know a matter of like four or five days we went from like oh be careful to stay home in a pretty short amount of time yeah, the last, you know, our last broadcast, we were talking about how we think it's going to affect hockey going forward. And, you know, within hours of of us finishing the broadcast, it's like the whole world exploded at that point. Yeah, I put it up at like midnight on Thursday and by like noon Thursday, the NHL was announcing that it was canceling its season. I remember watching Hockey Central uh, on the NHL network, and they're like, yeah, it's just a matter of time. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And sure enough, it happened. I mean, the NBA canceled their season, excuse me, paused their season, suspended their season. I don't want to say canceled. I, I might say that word, and that's not really what I mean when I say it. Uh, it's just the, <laughs> the, the, the word that I want to say, but it's not the word that it is. Paused their season. I like that. That sounds pleasant. Like, yeah, it's better than canceled. Canceled has too many hard C sounds in it. So because it's uh, it's not a cancellation at this point, and you know the the pause is kind of a, I guess kind of a good thing. But I mean, yeah, I mean the most important thing at this point is that that people are safe and they're taking the proper precautions to, you know, make sure themselves and their families are are not being put into harm's way. And I get it. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's what's happening. It's what's happening now. It's not anything that I can remember in my lifetime that we've ever had to deal with as a society. Um, you know, it's it's kind of surreal when you see all of the news and you see the things that are going on and 
and read about it and it's it's like something straight out of a movie it's it is and you know what's funny is just in just such a short amount of time i mean last week wednesday i taught my class we prepared for the final tests which were going to be this week depending on which section of my class it was then it went from we're not having class next week we're not doing our finals next week you know i had to find some alternate arrangement for my students to either take their final test remotely or figure out a way to not have a final test or to factor in something else to make up the points for it. So like the university that I teach at, they took this serious, like right off the bat, they were just like, yep, we are not going to meet next week. We're like, teachers are at their discretion for Thursday, Friday, Saturday classes. Of course, I didn't have classes on any of those days. Mine were Monday, Wednesday. And and then they're like, don't come to school next week. Just figure out what you need to figure out. So I determined that I wasn't going to do a, um, do a final test. And then like the NHL cancels its, excuse me, pauses its season, man. I got, I need like a swear (laughs) jar. I need like a swear. Swear jar. Like every time it says I say cancel, I gotta like put like a dollar or something. It's hard to not say cancel because we've spent so many episodes talking about the cancel culture that we live in. So we've said it over and over and over again. So this is true. This it's is fresh true. on our minds. So anyway, so they, they paused their season. Now what's funny is that Thursday I was getting my things together to go to the Chicago Sports Spectacular, which was actually gonna be in the neighboring suburb of Rosemont. And I was like kind of half-heartedly getting my things together because I'm like, I don't think this show is going to run. The CDC is now saying that it doesn't want any events with a thousand people. Like the, the NHL was just like, yep, okay, cool. We get it, right? But what's funny is that the Chicago Wolves AHL team, the affiliate of the Vegas Golden Knights, at least for the rest of this season, and... uh the uh, Chicago Sports Spectacular are both in Rosemont. The Wolves play at the, uh, Ro- I used to call it the Rosemont, uh, it used to be the Ro- uh, Allstate Arena. It used to be called the Rosemont Horizon. Anyways, Rosemont Arena. So the Wolves sent an email to all their season ticket holders. I'm a partial season ticket holder. And they said, we're still going to be playing hockey this weekend. We're following the CDC guidelines and the uh, EPA guidelines for a, a clean environment for extra cleaning, for extra staff to do cleaning, to clean like high contact areas like doorknobs and handrails and stuff like that. And it just seemed weird. It's like, okay, the NHL is canceling its season, but you're not canceling your season. Okay, Chicago Wolves. And then uh, my friend that I was going to... Pausing. Thank you. Man. We need like uh, need like a little like a little sound to play every time I do that like a little boo sound from like NHL '94. Every time you say cancel, you owe me a Shesterkin Young Gun canvas card. Darn, I only have one. All right, you got I one to use. That's it. I, I don't think. <laughs> let me let me fold it in half first. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. So Uh-oh. um. No, I don't have the coronavirus. I have a sinus infection, uh, which was just bad timing because now I'm I'm home. I'm sick. 
I can't see a doctor because they wouldn't let me see a doctor. They do all their screenings over the phone now. This is how crazy it's gotten. But getting Trust back me, to this, this card show, um, I call my acquaintance who I'm splitting space with. I said, I'm not sure I want to do this show. He's like, the governor's going on the news at five. I think he's going to cancel everything that's over a thousand people. Sure enough, Governor J.B. Pritzker comes on, says any event over a thousand people is canceled. Soon after, the AHL cancels, uh, um, pauses. I don't know what the AHL is doing, um, but if uh, but they're 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 pausing their season. They're falling in line with the NHL. The Sports Spectacular, on the other hand, is saying show has been canceled. Now, when you and I spoke. There were about seven or eight athletes who had canceled their appearances. And we were unsure about Dennis Potvin. You're like, oh, Dennis Potvin's going to be there. I'm like, no, he's not. He actually canceled his appearance. By Thursday morning, 11 athletes had dropped out of the show. By Wednesday, excuse me, Thursday afternoon, 21 athletes had dropped out of the show. So the I was going to say, I thought it was over 20 by the last time we talked. Which 21. Was Thursday later. No, 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 no. It was, it was less than that. I was counting them Thursday. It went from like 11 all the way up to 21. A lot of them were football players in their 70s now who are just like, forget that. I'm in a high risk group. I'm not going to fly to Chicago and hang out at a public space, signing autographs, shaking hands with people, whatever. Right. So the, the sports spectacular was canceled. A lot of people were upset about that. Not so much the dealers, but the dealers who had to come in from out of town because they're like, why didn't you cancel the show on Wednesday? So that we didn't have, we didn't come in. You know what I mean? Like they waited for the governor to basically shut them down. Yeah. And it seemed like it was going on regardless. They didn't make any indication that there could have been a possibility. Like, I don't even remember seeing an announcement like, you know, we're closely monitoring the situation. You know, the, the typical boilerplate that everybody was sending out. They sent two emails. They sent an email Last week, Thursday, and the week before Thursday. And both emails said, the show is happening. They even put on their website in big letters, the show is happening. So they were all for it. Um, Well, JB put them down. JB put them down. And look, I, I understand that money is lost when something like this happens. And I'm not just talking about the loss of potential revenue. I'm talking about the loss of money. People flew in. Uh, The organizers probably rented a lot of things that are not going to get used, like tables or whatever. I mean, there's like all these. They have to refund people their money because there's no show. So they got to refund the attendance. They got to refund the the table fees, you know, the booth fees. I mean, there's a lot going on here. So I I get that. And a lot of people are being stupid about this. I mean, people still went out for St. Patrick's Day and did pub crawls, even though the St. Patrick's Day parades in Chicago, all three of them were canceled. Don't I, I know it. That. Yeah. We had our show Saturday. It went on. They didn't cancel. And? and man, there were people. Really? Ooh, it was packed. Wow. We had, a, we, had a, we had a pipe and drums core come and play. What? And the place was jam-packed when they started. Cleared out a little bit because they go from bar to bar and hop around, and yep. a lot of a lot of people will follow them. Okay, and it just went off without a hitch, mm-hmm. and then uh, we started like my band started playing, and 
it slowly over the next hour or so filled back up with people again and it was hopping all night but i did notice you know our normal our normal crowd is the i'll say the 30 something to 50 something range that's probably our pocket of of normal crowd but i will say that our crowd was shifted more towards the 21 to 30 range so it's all these young people that are that are uh fearless that think that they're invincible and can go out there and you know do whatever they want but i'll tell you what that place was it was pretty packed for most of the night you became the soundtrack for amateur hour yeah i guess looking back on it we probably should have thought better about the whole thing but you know alcohol kills anything right well that's the thing though is that like thursday friday they were saying no gatherings of over 250 people and you're like well shit we don't get that many people to come to our show but sure enough yeah um i don't think we had that many people but there was easily at any given time 70 to 90 people i would say in the building see and the scary thing is you only need one infected person yeah that's true it's not even like a percentage game you just need one you just need one person to cough to sneeze to um you know uh do something right Uh, well it's, it's, it's a it's a moot point now for the simple fact that uh not only did illinois put the kibosh on everything but indiana did today as well Oh, really? Restaurants, as of 2.30 this afternoon, uh, being Monday, uh, restaurants and bars are closed to anything other than pickup and delivery. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, no gatherings, like I think you were saying, of 10 people was the recommendation. So they're adhering towards that. I've even heard rumors of a travel ban on its way, but I haven't got anything confirmed on that, but. So, you know, one thing that's funny is, or not funny, but just something that I had to think about. And and again, this is like, we're all, the potential for us to maybe do something stupid or misguided is, is, is not as hard as you think it is. Because I... Oh, the potential is pretty high. I mean, we are human beings. We are human beings. And, and, and you know, it's funny because I said to my aunt, I'm like, well, I'm a little bored. I'm a little stir crazy. And she's like... Dude, figure it out. She's like, there's a freaking pandemic going on. You you have tons of stuff to do at home. And she's right. What I usually do Monday nights is I organize a pickup hockey game. Me, people who I play with, people who I play against, you know, in like leagues. Uh, we get together. I rent the ice, divvy up the costs. More or less, it's the same people every week. Rotating cast of characters, you know. Um, and so... My plan was to have a hockey game Monday night. Well, by Sunday, the CDC had lowered that recommendation of 250 people, no more than 250 people, to no more than 50 people. Now, I don't have 50 people at my game. I have less than 30 people at my game. But then if you count, you know, hockey players who come in and play after us, the figure skaters who are on the ice before us, the people who work at the rink, the tennis players that show up at the facility, right? So I'm thinking, okay, well, it's not like we're all going to be jammed in the same space, but hockey is just a gross sport, man. There's spit 
there's sweat and there's snot and it's just the three s's and i'm just thinking like i mean under normal circumstances i mean i never let a player another player do this but it'd be like hey man i forgot my water bottle can i have a sip of your water you know what i mean and like oh yeah sure man go ahead i mean i'll be like dude don't touch that straw you got to squirt it in your mouth but um hockey is gross man people do that handshake line after games and their hands all sweaty because it's been in their glove you know now i keep my glove on and i just fist bump people um now i don't even know if i want to do that i mean so i mean the potential there is for one sick person to get other sick people because you're close to them you're sitting next to the bench on them you know in, in between you know shifts um i decided to cancel my game I decided to cancel my games and some of the people were a little disappointed, but everybody understood. I think some people were relieved because they didn't want to be that guy who didn't come to the game or who was afraid to come to the game. So I stepped up and I just said, yeah, I don't think it's a good idea. And then sure enough, Monday morning, CDC says no groups over 10 people. And then the park district sends an email and they're like, oh yeah, we're closing our facilities Tuesday. And I'm like, cool, we weren't the last idiots on the ice Monday night before they decided to disinfect everything. Who who would have thought that the creepy guys in their mom's basement had it right all along? Keep to yourself and hide from the world and just sit on your computer. Who would have thought that those guys knew what they were talking well, about? Well, what they say about a stopped clock being right twice. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll all make it through all of this madness. do you really want to talk about the nhl scenarios for the playoffs because i just so don't care like really? they're talking about oh we might have all 31 teams make the playoffs and the last 10 teams have a play in or nine teams yeah 10 teams and i'm just like i don't care see i haven't heard the 31 theory i've heard i've heard the 24 team theory uh, where they'd bring 24 teams into the to the mix because it's kind of hard to have 31 teams without somebody getting a buy. No, because what they do is they have um, it's like the bottom. I don't know. There was some chart. I just don't care. I just don't want to dedicate brain space to hypotheticals. You know what I mean about hypothetical? Well, if the season comes back, you know, this week, you know, the CDC is already. Um, recommended social distancing for at least eight weeks. So where are we at right now? We're in the middle of March. So we're looking at the middle of April, middle of May, maybe early May. I mean, we're already looking at like, you know, two months away from now. I, well, I, and like, I, like we were talking off the air, I mean, Gary Bettman was on the radio, uh, on NHL radio earlier today, talking about the whole thing. And mm-hmm. I mean, essentially it boils down to, They've already made a commitment to be out initially a couple weeks, if mm-hmm. not a month. And in order to get operations back up and running and get things to the point where they can become operational and become solvently working, they would need upwards of like 40, 40 some days to get everything back up and running again. So that's already going to push into the middle of May. So you're you're already talking a, a chunk of the season that would have to be somehow crammed into a small amount of time or wiped out completely and have the playoffs start immediately so we're not playing hockey in the middle of July. But, you know, 
like I said, I didn't, I haven't heard the thirty one team. I heard the twenty four team thing where they were going to cut make the cutoff point based off of twelfth uh, place in your conference. Mm-hmm. Which essentially, if you looked at how the how it ended when that broke off, the entire central division would make the playoffs. Um, so I found that to be interesting to say the least, but, uh, yeah, so that would get Chicago in the playoffs and right now, as, as it stood at the, when, when they took their pause, see what I did there? Pause. Pause. Um, they, uh, or the Hawks had like a 2.5% chance of making the playoffs, I think at that point, (laughs) but, uh, you know, so they would get in the playoffs. You know, there'd be a, a few other teams in there that have no business being in the playoffs, but you'd at least see playoff hockey in whatever form it was in, whether it was a single game play in or best of three or however they decide to do it. Honestly, I think if they do come back, and I know you don't want to talk about it, but I wouldn't be surprised if, in order to make up some of these games, they do quote unquote double headers, if that's even possible. Well, like, um yeah shorten shorten game double headers sure five minute periods right five minute periods uh, five but ten i could see (laughs) do five five minutes um no offsides uh penalties on no offsides right like a game of nhl 94 right it work you know no offsides uh penalties on no offsides fighting on and um yeah that could uh full scale nhl blitz ah uh, that'd be fun there you go i never played the blitz games i missed out on that little blitz was fun cuz you just got to beat the crap out of each other we'll have to we'll have to do like a show about like uh some of the like old hockey games um because one game that is really overlooked and i'll have to replay it to just get it back in my memory but it was called rock the rink I don't know that I remember that one. Dude, it was crazy. It was just like, it was just like, um, it was kind of like, uh, um, you know, kind of like one of the, it was kind of like a hits, you know, or where you'd like hit a dude and he'd go flying across the rink, that sort of thing. But anyway, yeah, I, don't re- I don't remember that one. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to, what platform was that for? PlayStation one. Ah, see, that's why I didn't have that. See, I remember buying it, and I remember, like, it started out with, like, the players line dancing. Like, they're, like, they're, like, locked in arms and are, like, line dancing before the, the face-off, which is just, like, the weirdest thing. But they were playing in a Nashville game. It was a Predators game, so maybe it was, like, different for each rink. I don't remember. It was yeah, just crazy, no though. It was just one of those weird games. Kind of like Hit the Ice was kind of one of those weird games, if you remember that one. Was that also a PlayStation? Hit the Ice was a coin-op, and then it also came out for Super Nintendo. I didn't have Super Nintendo either. I had the original NES. Okay. You had Sticks and Rocks growing up. I did have Sticks and Rocks. That was one of my favorite games. What games came? Yeah, that was the game. Um, I had an Atari 2600. Okay. I I had an Atom, if you remember what those were. The hell? An Atom computer. Those were those home PCs back in the early 80s that they offered $500 scholarships. Like one of those gifted kids? Maybe. (laughs) I 
I, I may have dabbled in that once or twice. Um, no, but we had this, we had this, that was like the first home computer we had. It plugged into your TV. And so that had games and they were on cassette tapes. Okay. Buck Rogers, that was an awesome game. But they had controllers like Coleco with the okay. big dial and the number pad. Mm-hmm. So I had that. Then I had the original NES. Did not have Super Nintendo. Didn't really get into any of the CD platforms. The very next, the next gaming system I had was the N64. That was my favorite by far, was my N64. And then I had a GameCube. Then I had a Wii. Now I have a Switch. So I'm more of a Nintendo guy. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we'll have to do we'll have to do a show about uh, about games. Um, what did I want to say? The oh, um, just looking at my notes here. Yeah, so uh, NHL on pause, hockey on pause, my rec league hockey's on pause. Uh, I mean, all the all all the rinks in like my area except one are closed. My- my, and like the one that's on open, the one that's open is making you fill out a waiver form before you come in, basically saying that if you get sick after playing at their rink, you hold them harmless. Nice. And I've played at that rink and it is skanky. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, it was funny because like I picked, I, well, we were changing in locker room number four and like I grabbed the key to that and my teammates were complaining and they're like, why are we in locker room number four? It's like, it smells like piss in here. And I'm like, because locker room number two smells like vomit. And they're like, oh, okay. No, I'm not making that up. I'm not making that up. Oh, that's I, awesome. I'm not making that up. And it was like. It what would you rather like, have? Do you want to smell like vomit or do you want to smell like a urinal? <laughs> no. And that's the thing is that locker room for one, two, and four had showers and two smelled like vomit. And I went in there and I started getting, cause I was the first one there. I got the key for my team and I, I couldn't stay in there. I'm like, I, I can't be in this locker room. So then I went to four and I'm like, yeah, we're in four. And they're like, oh, it smells like piss in here. And I'm like, yeah, it, it does. But locker room two is worse. You know, I don't know if that gave us an advantage in the game against the other team. Cause they had to use that locker room instead. But, um, one reason why is always early. Claim, uh, that's, claim that's the like least warfare right there. Claim the least offensive locker room. Yeah, that's yeah. So that that pool. St- stinky rink is not letting people, or sorry, they're making people fill out a waiver if they want to play hockey there. Like it under like not just your usual like hold harmless like if you break your neck playing hockey, you don't sue us. Not that kind of waiver, but like if you get the coronavirus, you don't sue us kind of waiver. I would think it'd be the same waiver. No? Nope. This is a special waiver because I read it today. And you know what's messed up is that, dude, a lot of hockey rinks, I mean, there's going to be good rinks. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of the rinks, they don't have hand soap in the locker rooms. They don't have... um paper towels uh they might they they'll probably have toilet paper but it's like one of those stalls that doesn't have the door on it you know it's just it's just dude hockey locker rooms are gross. dude seriously they're gross like actually the best rinks that i've played at are the ones that have um the one rink i used to play at 
the Blackhawks used to practice there. So their locker rooms were immaculate. Not that they used that locker room. The Blackhawks had their own special locker room, but the locker rooms were clean. The bathrooms had soap and toilet paper and were well-stocked because you had the media there covering the Blackhawks, you know, when they would do their morning skate at, at, at this rink. Now they're at a different rink. And that rink, actually, they closed down, like, almost immediately after the NHL uh, paused the Blackhawks training facility, which has, like, a lot of kids' programs, a lot of adult hockey. They have two full sheets of ice. They're like, yep, we're closing down for at least two weeks. Wow. That's... um. That's something. I mean, you see all these things on TV, like, you know, the whole Kraft Hockeyville thing where they yep. do the upgrades to the arenas for the contests that win and, you know, Rogers hometown hockey that's always on where they, you know, usually profile a town or people from a town or an arena or some local area and, and kind of stuff like that. And you get to see, like... You don't, you don't think about it. Like, if you're a hockey, if you're a casual hockey fan, you see, oh, your hockey team plays in the arena, does this thing. But back it up, you know, go in reverse. Okay. Then they were in the minors. Okay. Then they were in juniors. Okay. Then they were in, you know, Bantam League, or then they were in, you know, whatever it's called below that and so on and so forth going all the way down to you know peewee hockey programs that are starting up in these little rinks and you don't really think about the fact that some of them are real dumps mm-hmm. i mean because the the funding's not there and the money's not there yeah most of these re- are privately owned mm-hmm. and as any business owner knows if you're not turning a profit you can't sink any money into the business to boost it up so you may think of things like that, like, well, yeah, the bathroom's going to have soap. It might not. <laughs> I mean, it really, it really <laughs> might not. So, no, I mean, it's funny. I mean, how many times I've, I've, go, I've gone to, I'll just call it Stinky Rink. I don't want to say it by name, but I've gone to Stinky Rink. And, um, like, I'll, like, go to wash my hands and then I'll, like, you know, hit the soap dispenser. And I'd be like, soap, of course there's no soap. Why would there be soap? Hockey players don't wash their hands. We just spit on them and that's how we, and rub them together. And that's how we make them clean. Right. I mean, it's just, it's disgusting. So, um, and I know I'm, I'm sounding like one of these prissy people. I'm not, I mean, I grew up playing outside. I played inside too. I had toys, I had video games, but I also liked to play outside. I wasn't like, you know, one of these kids that stayed in all the time and was always washing their hands with antibacterial, antiseptic, whatever. I mean, you know, played in the dirt and stuff like that. But at the same time, I mean, hygiene goes a long way. I mean, we're seeing right now what happens when you have a breakdown of of sometimes of just common sense. Right. That's exactly it. Unclean. So what do we do without hockey? Um, I mean, I guess I could sort my cards. I mean, my desk is overrun with piles of cards that cards that need to be scanned for blog posts, cards that need to be put away. I've actually been doing a lot of writing. Um, been trying to update puck junk twice a day now. So trying to get content out there like two times a day. So, uh, you know, definitely after you listen to this podcast, come back a little bit later, I'll be posting another, uh, thing up later in the day. Um, you know, I mean, 
you can only rewatch Youngblood so many times, right? Depends. If you're like you, probably not. You could probably watch it a thousand times. Well, I always it noticed still wouldn't be new. enough. Huh? And it still wouldn't be enough. Well, I mean, they got to come out with like a deleted scenes and all the other stuff that like, you know, not just the same thing over and over again. I've actually, you know, as far as watching anything, honestly, I, other than at the end of the night when I'm winding down and relaxing, I haven't really watched much of anything because there's, you know, not, it's not just hockey. There's no sports on TV. So it's like, unless you're watching replays of old games, which some of the channels have actually been showing, which mm-hmm. are, which are interesting to a point, um, or, you know, pre-taped or pre-recorded, um, events have been, been broadcast. I think the other day, I think it was Friday afternoon. There was like, what's it called? The cross country skiing and you shoot stuff. Um, oh, uh, is that a biathlon? Yeah. They were showing that. And I'm like, what is this, Olympic qualifying? And I thought, this is Summer Olympics, not Winter Olympics. But it didn't say it was pre-recorded, so I assumed it was actually happening. There were people in the crowd and stuff, so I don't know. That obviously wasn't canceled at that point, but that was still Friday. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, there you can get caught up on a lot of that kind of stuff. Um I know there is some on-demand content for, like, the NHL Network uh, on TV, if you have that channel. Um, There's some what? Some on-demand content that Tell you can go more. through. Tell um, me more. If you've got Comcast or Xfinity or, I yes. don't know, if other listeners in other areas, if, like, maybe Cox Communications or somebody else that's a cable provider or a TV provider that offers um, NHL Network um, as a uh, choice, um, but there is uh, on-demand content with things that you can watch uh, that are available um, as long as it's part of your um, service package, I guess. Cool. So what are some of the, do you know, like what kind of shows? Because I have NHL Network through Comcast, so... What can I on demand? Um, they have usually they'll have so like if I miss the games and there's not something on, which very rarely is on the fly or something like that, actually mm-hmm. being rebroadcast for the thousandth time, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm fine with. Um, but they'll have um, shows that you can, you know, just get a quick, you know, recap of what all the games were. Um, as far as like the actual sports programming, I've seen the various, uh, in the rooms that they do mm-hmm. available on there for the different teams. Um, the, um, the road to the winter classic series from mm-hmm. last year was on there for a while. I don't know if it's still up there. Um, the last couple documentaries, um, like the, um, the Russians, uh, what's it called? The uh, the Russian Five documentary mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, was on there. Uh, Willie, the, the okay. Willie O'Ree documentary 
was available on there on demand. So there's there's a lot of stuff that's that's available out there as far as content that you can that you can grab since you can't watch a, a main game or a live game um, and won't be for a while. But eventually that's going to run out. I mean, you can't sit around and do that all day, I guess. Some people still have to work, unfortunately. But So, um, you know, another suggestion I'd like to throw out there, if you're listening to this and you are not aware of this, I finally started a Puck Junk Facebook group for people to talk about hockey, hockey collectibles, hockey culture, just people who geek out on hockey. I know not everybody who listens to this podcast is necessarily a card collector. Uh, maybe you collect jerseys. Maybe you collect other things. Uh, maybe you just like hearing us talk about cards because you're like, oh, yeah, cards are fun. Not really my thing, but interesting to know what comes out. Maybe you're more into like us talking about like just what's going on in the league or what's not going on, I guess, in, considering the current state of events. But if you go to Facebook.com slash groups slash Puck Junk, um, there's where you can find the group. I'll also link to it in the show notes. Um, got about 100 members so far, uh, which is pretty good for less than three days of uh, being live. So, um, yeah, definitely join the Puck Junk Facebook group. You could uh, maybe get your hockey fix by you know, talking hockey with others there, maybe sharing some of your collection or something cool that you have hockey related. Other people have been doing that. Uh, so that's my recommendation to, uh, to uh, help uh, curb the uh, appetite for hockey a little bit. hundred people have already joined. I know that's nothing compared to wow. like, that's nothing compared to like, you know, it seems like a lot that quickly it's spreading well, like a virus. Wow. Oh, oh, damn. Hey, now. Too soon? Too soon. <laughs> okay, you can edit that out in post. Yeah, I'm not going to. <laughs> the fans have to, the, the listeners have to know what, what. The listeners have to know what kind of a hole I really am. <laughs> right, right. What I have to deal with each week. Yeah. Uh huh. So, um. Yeah, so, um. Anyway, so yeah, uh, puckjunk. Excuse me, facebook.com slash groups slash puckjunk. So, um, alert I'm on hockey. there too. Huh? I said I'm on there too. If anybody of cares, of course you are. You like joined today and started liking and commenting on everything. I did. I got to yeah. catch up. Yeah. So, um, upper deck alert, 2019, 2020 upper deck alert. You want to talk about that? Um, sure, we can talk about that. We talked about, we previewed it before it came out. Now it's out. We each got a box, uh, just to give you the skinny on that. It's about 90 bucks for an eight pack box. You get six packs per box. Um, and then it's promising you one rare parallel or jersey card per box, one rookie jersey card per box, one autographed card per box, five base set parallels per box. Look for eight inserted cards per box. So, um, it's a shiny set. It's kind of like an OPG Chrome. It kind of looks like a Chrome version of, um, Ovation. If you remember Ovation from like, um, yeah, Ovation's, uh, well, it's been a little while for Ovation, huh? When did you say this is Ovation's Chrome, uh, Chrome cousin? Uh, yeah, that's, that's fair. 
That's fair. It's kind of like a hybrid between like uh, peachy chrome and uh, contours, maybe color and contours. Okay. Um, yeah, that that yeah. I mean, that's what I would. That's that's probably more what I would go with because of all the parallels and because of all the the different colors that are available and shiny, 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 lots of shiny. Um, you know, the one thing that the one thing that I find interesting about this set is, you know, people are always talking about, well, you know, we go with, um, you know, series one or series two because there's a chance at a lot of rookies and there's a pretty good rookie crop of of players available in the checklist and this, you know, that usually when you get a product like this, the rookies are, you know, the high, they're, they're going to be the high numbers. They're going to be the short prints or the extremely short printed ones. So yeah, there might be some there, 25, 50. Generally there's not a, for, for a small of a total checklist that alert is, there's usually not as many rookies as there are in this. Mm-hmm. Over 52% of the set is rookies. I like it. I like so, that. Yeah, so if you go and actually look at the checklist, over half of it is rookie cards. Do you happen to know offhand, what is it, 100 base cards and 100 rookie cards? Um, it is 100. So let's see. How, how does this breakdown go? So... They're short printed base cards mm-hmm. that are numbered 65 to 100, which those are the rookies. Um, so it'd be one through 64, I want to say, are the regular base cards. Because there's 50. There's 50? No, there's 40. Man, I can't do math. So let's see here. Not base, it looks like there's 60 base cards. Yes. And then, so 1 through 60 are base. 61 through 100 are rookies, but those are also easy to come by. And then you have the the high-printed um, ones. That's yeah, so like the... One through one, 101 through 135 are the short prints. Right. And the the rookies, the, the 60 through 100... Or whatever it is, mm-hmm. they're actually supposed to be shorter printed too. But what I found is retail, and this is just my experience, but retail seems to hit the higher numbers more than hobby mm. for that 60 through 100. Mm. Now, obviously, you have a better shot at the shorter prints for the 101 through 135. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I found and that's going through, you know, one hobby box versus a couple of retail boxes and a, and a couple of uh, loose packs. <clears throat> so I don't know if it was just the luck of the draw in that case, but that's kind of what I, experienced in both both cases and these were retail boxes that were sitting on a shelf that were nowhere near each other so i don't know if it's somebody just moved something somewhere else while they were stealing all the basketball cards <laughs> back searching or if it was out of a different case maybe i don't know 
but that that seemed to be my experience with it. They're like, get these stupid hockey cards out of my way while I pack search for Zion Williamson cards. Yeah, that's usually that's usually the case. But I I mean, honestly, if if I'm throwing out an opinion here, I wanted to not like this product at all. I wanted to hate it. I wanted it to be disgusting and gross and, and awful and stupid and go away forever. I like it. I do. I like it a lot. It's grown on me. I don't know if it's the colors, it's the shiny, it's the combination of the two. The the fact that a box is going to get you uh, at least one jersey card, it's going to get you an autograph card plus an extra something. There's plenty of inserts, plenty of parallels. And like I said, the, the pack pulls that I've had in both retail and hobby have been fairly decent from from what I've seen. And for as far as bang for your buck, if you're looking for rookies for this year and you don't want to, you know, overload, this is a way you can you can pick up a few not and not really break the bank. Um, now, obviously, if you're a flipper and you're looking to profit off of something, these may not be the ones that you're going to be chasing. But I can tell you there is a shot at, at some pretty decent stuff out of there. Um, you know, just depending on, depending on what you're looking for, you know, all the teams are obviously represented here, but you know, certain teams like the sharks and the hurricanes, you probably won't find as many cards of in this as you will, the devils or the senators or Mm -hmm. the Canadians. Um, but you know, it, it, it's still, um, I think it's still, a a pretty good value for a box. I like I like some things about the set, and there are other things I don't like about the set. I do like the look of the set. I kind of missed out on that whole, like, Topps Chrome Hockey era in, like, the early 2000s. And so I, I, I look at those cards, and I'm just like, oh, man, I really would have loved that back in the day, right? And I see, like, Topps Chrome Baseball, and I'm just like, oh, man, I wish I wish we had that, right? And we kind of do with these cards, my problem is that I feel like there's just too many parallels. There are so many parallels that I don't care. Like, I, I stop caring, and then to me, they just become not a distraction, but they become a, a hindrance for me to try to build a set. Because I like these enough where I would want to build the set, and it's not impossible to get the um, the the veterans and the, you know, the first hundred cards, not impossible. The next 35 cards challenging but not impossible you'd probably pay a lot for a few of them and probably pay not as much for a few for many of them um but like okay you had inserts like top 50 okay that's fine more rookies i guess but then you had like um these die cut cards which i guess are kind of nice but then you have like these red cards and then you have like these red die cut cards and then I just stop caring after a while. And then it, to me, it just becomes clutter. Like that keeps me from building the set. But if you're building, it, are you building a master set? I mean, are you trying to get all of the colored Who parallels? Who builds a master everything? set these days when you can't even build a set set? Well, that's my point. You know, if you're going after the hundred or if you're going after the full, you know, 135 cards. Sure. Say that's what I'm doing. And that's, that's doable. But if you're chasing down, you know, the red parallel, the white parallel, um, 
And I don't know if you knew the retail has a separate parallel that hobby doesn't have. And that is the yellow taxi um, parallel, which the yellow, the yellow cards look really cool. Are they just like like red cards, but yellow? Yes. Are they endorsed endorsed by the yellow taxi cab corporation? No, they are not. Well, they they might be. I'm not, I'm unaware of any extraneous endorsements. Um, so I can't speak to that, but well, well, yellow taxi was like a big taxi corp, uh, company in Chicago. I think they were everywhere. Not just, they are. Yeah. I mean, Um, that's all part of checker cab, but anyway, they, um, you know, the yellow, yellow taxi, I think looks really cool. Um, and it has more of a gold gold feel to it mm-hmm. than some of the other. Oh yeah, that kind of looks like. Um, I said I just sent looks, you a picture. Yeah, that kind of looks like those. Um, what are they called? Um, what what were those like? Those were they called Micromotion in like the um, Panini Prism. Um, uh, Micromotion was the Opeachy, wasn't it? Opeachy. Oh, yeah, that was that was Opeachy. Yeah. Um, I think I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a shimmer, like a, yeah, I don't know. It's like a shimmer feel, like, like one of the other type of chromium thing. Oh, the whole, the whole product is chromium. I like it. I, I think they're, I'm not saying that hobby that hockey needs to be a competitor with all of the other sports because it's a different market share and you're not going to get the same people. Yeah, you're going to get the spillover of the investor people that are looking to flip the biggest ones each year, year in and year out. That that is what it is. Yeah, you're going to get the graders that jump on the bandwagon of the high end card. Okay, fine. That is what it is. But you're not going to keep the the same fans as as you do with some of the other sports and it's not going to get the heat that the other sports have right now but to put out another chrome product you know upper deck obviously has the exclusive license opeachy platinum is one of the only chromium type products that hits the market to have something like this out there as an alternative i think is good i think it's good to mix it up and the fact that allure hasn't been around before and they threw this out there you know as here's a new product. We've never had this brand before and here's what we're going to do. Yeah. Maybe the inserts leave something to be desired. You know, the, the open ice and the iced out ones. I'm, I didn't like too much the weather report ones or what are they called? Um, storm warning, or winter something. storm warning. Yeah. Those have kind of grown on me a little bit. I don't like the fifth, the top 50 prospects. I think the, those are kind of plain looking, right? But, you know the base cards and the and the parallel die cuts I think are are what carries carries this product more than anything else. And the fact that there's some there's some pretty nice looking autographs on here. Yeah, they're mostly I think they're all sticker autographs. I don't know that there's any on card. I haven't seen any yet myself. Um, I know the one that I pulled out of my hobby box is a uh, Vasilevsky. Um, auto jersey card. That's Blue. nice. I, I got nice. a Max Jones uh, autographed 
uh, jersey card, three color swatch. That's cool. And uh, it's always good when you get multicolor on the swatch. Yeah, I didn't mind Makes that. It's more card. interesting. The other, I got three jersey cards in the box, and the other two were just white swatches. And that was really disappointing because they're like these shiny red cards. And then they got like a white swatch in the middle that just kill it, you know? I believe I also got a white swatch on a rookie one, but I but I got a Leon Dreisaitl as well, but it's orange. It's an and orange I, swatch. I get that half the NHL jerseys are white because they wear their white jerseys half the time. I get that. But I feel like save the white swatches for when it makes sense. Like if it's a shiny red card and then you just have like this plain white swatch in the middle of it. I just it looked at and I just go, Ugh, right? Like if it was a blue swatch, I'd be like, okay, because now it's a colorful card, right? But I mean, there's a time and a place for a white swatch and that could be on maybe a not as premium set, you know, save that for the occasional jersey card that you get in a pack of mvp or in upper deck series one or in you know any card that shows like multiple players i don't care use four white swatches because you're showing four players and you know they could all match and that'd be okay too you know the you know the argument to that though that you're going to get from the card manufacturers is well you know the cost of memorabilia is sky high and so you know what it costs us to buy a jersey or to buy the rights to have a jersey and for us to cut it up to put it in a product Mm -hmm. and like you said the vast majority of jerseys the predominant color is white well you would you would severely limit the amount of fabric that's available to use Mm -hmm. if they simply stuck to just the white or what you would essentially do and you know, for, for all intents and purposes, this is how most people treat Jersey cards anymore. Anyway, is they relegate them to the dollar box anyhow, because they don't consider them to be really that premium of a card. Anyway, Mm -hmm. you stick all the white into the lower end product. Well, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a low end product. Here's a low end Jersey it stays in the low end box. So maybe you don't find jerseys in the dollar box. Now you're going to find them in the quarter box. So I don't know. Maybe that, does that, does that take away from value after the fact? Yeah. But is, this a, is Allura a low end product? I don't know that. I don't think you would call it a low end product. At least I didn't think you would call it a low end product when it first came out. Then I saw the price point on it. And I'm like, Oh, maybe this is a mid range. Then I saw that it was available retail. And I started to rethink that. So I thought maybe this is more of a a mid a mid product or a premium product for the low end collector. Huh? How about that? Is that a good tagline? A premium product for the, for low, the low end, end collector. collector. Yeah, see, look. I think I'm onto something there. Anytime they throw something, a retail version of it, because like you're not gonna find the cup retail. We know this. You're not going to find ultimate retail. You're not going to find black diamond or upper deck black or um, I shouldn't say you're not going to find ice retail because sometimes that does bleed over into retail. You're not going to find the normal SP retail. They have a separate SP version of it for retail. Right. Um, 
you know, those are the types of things you're not, you you won't see them at your target or your Walmart necessarily, but allure there's boxes all over the place and there were fat packs. So, mm. um, so yeah. So like I said, I like the pro I like the breaks I did with them. I, I liked what I was able to pull out of them. I think I did well. I have the vast majority of, of a base set already with a few doubles. Nice. So if you're, so if you're looking for something, let me know what you need. Um, but yeah, I thought, I think this is a, I think this is a nice product. I really do. Yeah. I, I like it too. Um, don't know if I'm going to build a set or not. I got so much stuff that I haven't ever finished building, but, uh, I, I like the set. I'm not a struggle. I'm not offended by it. I like the design of it. I like the chromium cards. I guess just like I said, my turnoff was like so many, um, so many inserts, um, so many parallels. And I think I know what my threshold is for that now. Now, this, hold on a second. These are six cards. Hold on, hear me out. Per pack, right? Six cards these, per pack. These and are I got, six cards per pack, eight packs per box, yes. And I got two super rookies or whatever you want to call them. And then an iced out. And then a red parallel. And then a red die cut parallel. So that's five, six, seven, eight, nine. Four more um, die cuts. One, two, so that's nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. So then I got uh, four top 50s. So 13 cards. And then the three jersey cards, which, you know. So you got exactly what a box says it's going to yield. Right. So I had 16 inserts. So it's like two per pack. Now, I get that the jersey cards are a nice thing and you want to get them. That's fine. But it's just like, when you're getting so many, like, when you're getting, like, two inserts per pack, I feel like that's too much. Like, two inserts or parallel. Usually my threshold is, like, one. Like, when I open a pack of, like, Upper Deck Series 2, and if it's, like, seven cards and, yay, inserts. Okay, it's not an insert that I collect, but okay, that's kind of nice, right? Like, I feel like now, if you're spending a lot of money on a pack of cards, you want to get one chase card per pack, right? Seven whatevers and one chase card, or five whatevers and one chase What's card. What's a lot of money on a pack? What's that? What well, What do you consider a lot of money for a pack? I uh, three bucks and up. Yeah, uh, whatever. You would say three upper bucks and up. Upper deck series one and up, so four dollars and up, four fi- four four fifty, whatever series one sells for. Uh, like if I if I open a pack of victory, or Opeachy or MVP. And I just get base cards. Okay, that's fine. But when I open something like Upper Deck Series 1, I almost expect every pack to have some sort of special card in that pack. Even if it's just an insert to a set that I'm not going to... Shining Stars, right? Like, I'm never going to collect all the Shining Stars. But if I get a Shining Stars insert, I'm like, all right, I got an insert. Cool, right? Seven commons and a young gun. Seven commons and a shining star insert, seven commons, and an OPG update. Cool. Well, but then when, when you bust a full hobby box of series one or series two, well, series two more so. Yeah. In series one, yep. most hobby boxes uh-huh. will have a maximum of three packs with nothing in them as far as any insert or parallel or anything like that. 
max three packs because really? you're either going to because you're going to get six young guns. Yep. Canvas falls one every four. Okay. The inserts fall anywhere from one out of four up to one out of eight, depending on the insert. And there's a chance at a jersey one out of every two boxes. Okay. So if you do the math and calculate that, there might be a maximum of three packs with nothing in them. Not to mention all the other inserts and parallels and weird things that are thrown in. Right. Series two, it happens you get way more because almost every pack has something extra in it because of the Opeachy update, um, the rookie update on the portraits, the um, the Opeachy parallel extras that are thrown in. Um, so there's a lot of other product that's jammed into series two. So you get you end up getting more inserts out of a series two box with something like with like MVP. I think MVP and Hobby had an insert one in every pack, hmm. and OP, regular Opeachy was the same way. There was a, something in every pack. It was either going to be a short print high number or it was going to be an insert. And you I... so you'd either get a rookie, either get a rookie short print mm-hmm. or the. You know, in years past, there were the Legends, or now it's, I forget what was in this year's highlights or something like that. But you get a high number, or you get um, one of the parallels, uh, like the retros. Well, um, I just figured that, I don't know, I just thought Allure had, a, it just went a little too much with, like, the inserts. Like, I would have liked it, like... I was fine with, okay, three jersey cards per box. One had an autograph. That's cool. Um, to me, putting the card in just in a different color doesn't really do much for me. Like, if you're a player collector, you pick up that variant. It gives you a variant of a guy that you like to collect. But otherwise, I just, I didn't need to have, like, three or four red cards or whatever. Two red cards and four die-cut cards wouldn't have minded if the whole set was die cut. That actually would have been pretty cool. Well, you can put one together. Uh, I guess I Let's could. Try. I could. So, uh, yeah. Um, later on this week, I'm going to post a box break of um, Allure Hockey. Uh, Jim, not the goalie, Howard, also bought a box. And he's got a box break that's going to go up on the site. So you could... Definitely see some uh, images. Get a couple more opinions. Maybe I on should this post stuff. mine too. Sure, why not? We can have we'll just... dueling box breaks. Yeah, we can do pack wars after the fact. Sure, I don't know how that you play that, but you don't know how you do pack wars. Is that like where we just it's like war, but with like who has the better card? Yeah, you take packs and you throw them at each other, and whoever gets knocked out loses. Wow, just don't dent the corners. You're trying to hit him with the corners, so you. No, actually, yeah. usually, usually, most of the pack wars I've ever gotten involved in, from like in hobby shops and stuff like that, are all. Each round is something different. Like they'll say something like, "Okay, who has the, you know, the next pack? Whoever has the player with the highest, you know, goals against average." And so everybody opens a pack, and you know, you check your cards, and if you don't have a goalie, obviously you're out. If you have a goalie, then and then whoever wins gets whatever the winning thing is for that round. Most right. of the time, it's the cards in the pile. So gotcha. Interesting. So Upper Deck um, does pack wars on their e pack. Oh yeah. Yes. Hmm. 
Yeah, I bought a few. Uh, I bought a few e packs. Um, I wanted a David Ayer's uh, game dated moments card, so I actually hunkered down and bought like four packs of. Uh, uh, normally, I'm just cheap, and I'll buy a pack of Compendium, and I'll buy like whatever game dated moment pack that I want. But I decided to buy like four packs of uh, Series One on EPAC, and it was kind of cool, but also kind of like like I wanted the base cards. I know that sounds, I know you don't buy EPAC if you want base cards unless you're going to combine them for like uh, the parallels. But like you know, obviously I got one parallel, excuse me, one I don't say hit, but one insert in every pack, and that was okay. And it was kind of fun to open them and, and kind of click through them. But, um, yeah, I did I did give that a try. And uh, it was all well, right. Not to keep touting Upper Deck products and plugging them repeatedly, but since Kind of hard when they're the only company yeah, that really makes since, hockey cards. Since we're on the subject at the moment, if you are planning on spending a couple bucks during these uh, times of uncertainty and toilet paper shortage... You can go on EPAC if you're interested and 1617 Series 3 Compendium, 1718 Series 3 Compendium, and 1516 Fusion, which has the McDavid rookie in it, are all on sale for 75% off. Now, it doesn't show up on the screen as 75% off. However, if you take a box and let's say, for example, you take a box of, uh, we'll go with uh, 1617 Compendium Series 3, which has the Austin Matthews rookie in it. Yep. And those run about 23 bucks for a box of 24 packs. If you take that and you add it to your cart, um, in your cart, it will take off the total, and that $23 box becomes $5.75. Wow. Um, so if you're looking to, if you've never done the EPAC before, or if you're looking to add some stuff to your EPAC collection and possibly put some things together to meld cards to turn them into actual cards, uh, it's a great time to hit them up for those especially like i like the fusion i like the design of the fusion i wish they would have came out with that as a physical card but um you know that's possible you'd have to buy a few quite a few boxes to get yourself to a point where you can um meld the cards together but there's plenty of people out there with inventory that are willing to trade on epac and you can trade cards and get them to that point and meld them up and ship them to yourself or send them to your comc account if you have one um, but yeah, 75% off on boxes and cases. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, um, I need, uh, I forget. I want to say I need like a hundred or so cards from compendium. I'm almost done with that. What set. year? Which year? 1617. The first year, the first year that compendium came out, I've been building that set for like three years. Every time COMC has a, uh, a spring cleaning sale, a Black Friday sale, a Cyber Monday sale, a whatever sale. Every time they have a sale, I go and I just buy, you know, I'll spend like 50 bucks on 
compendium. And actually, here, um, I have 856 out of 900 cards. I need 44 more cards for 1617 compendium, and then I'll have the whole set. My problem is I'm not going to spend $3 on Peter Bujai. Um... And maybe it's not that, but that's the thing. It's like the whole supply and demand thing. So you have like a lot of people who will meld cards of like Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby. And then you'll have like two people selling cards of like Peter Budai or, uh, um, you know, just rank and file player, you know. Chris Wagner. Right. Um, you know, so it's it's difficult. So the, the ones... So you're you're saying not on your EPAC account you built the set on like the actual the melded cards yeah the real I don't, ones yeah let somebody else do the melding and then I'll just buy them for thirty cents each I got gotcha. you okay and most of the cards that I've bought were about thirty cents each some were twenty nine some were as low as twenty seven some I spent as high as like six or eight dollars for for like I was gonna say how much did you pay for the Matthews rookie Matthews is the last card in series three. Yeah, number three hundred. Four dollars and eighty-one cents. Or number nine hundred, sorry. Four dollars and eighty-one cents. That's um, that's not bad. No, I mean most of the set, like I said, between twenty-seven and thirty-two cents is what I've spent. So yeah, I'm about forty-four cards away from finishing my sixteen seventeen compendium. Is mo- or do you need, are you all over the board on those, or do you need like mostly series two or series three? Or Looks like I'm all over or... the board. I was okay. just looking at my spreadsheet right now, and I don't. It'd be easy if I just needed all the series three. Then I'd be like, yeah, I'll just buy a couple boxes, melt some cards. I was blah, gonna blah, say because I have in my EPAC account, I have 384 series two and 387 series three. Wow. So. But those are all uncombined cards, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those are all um Yeah, I don't think I don't think I have any um I don't think I have any actual physical from any of those sets still in my account that I haven't already shifted over hmm. to my um Com C account and either cashed in and had shipped to me or just kind of sold or traded from there. Oh, I take that back. I have a printing plate. Forgot about that. Oh, wow. That's One nice. The, I, I pulled a printing plate out of a um, series three. Yeah, it was uh-huh. series three of that year. No, okay. I take it back. Sorry. It was, it was 1718. It, had, it was series three of 1718, not of 1617. It was a Marcus Kruger hmm. printing plate. So, on the Hurricanes, not on the Blackhawks. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah. So, we got a couple of questions, uh, reader questions. Although, I'll start with one, or sorry, reader questions. Listener questions. Reader Listener questions. mailbag. Listener, ma- yeah, I got to stick with the nomenclature that we agreed upon. Listener <laughs> mailbag, right, yeah. Um, we don't want to get canceled. <laughs> Or, or paused. Or paused. Or paused. Well, they could pause this podcast. They could. They could try. Um, so I actually want to start with uh, Jim Howard's question. Jim, not the goalie Howard, uh, our co-blogger on Puck Junk. 
Um, he actually posted a question to our Facebook group, to the Facebook group. Um, and I want to start with this one, because uh, this one's the more serious question. And then I want to end the show with the more fun question. Uh, so he asked, will the all-female broadcast team during the Hawks-Blues game from March 8th open a door for more women into that career avenue? So what he's asking is if this game is going to be a catalyst for change. Um, I think it will be, but it's never immediate. In other words, maybe girls who watch the game will be like, that looks cool. I want to be the next Catherine Tappan. I want to be the next, you know, I want to do play by play, whatever, and, and get inspired. Because if you could see it, you could be it. And I, honest to God, I believe in that. So I think it's a great thing. Um, I don't think that this is going to be an overnight change, though. I don't even think this is going to be like a one-generation change. I mean, it'd be nice. But um, I would think in order for that to happen, this would be more of a regular thing. Like, they're like, it's International Women's Day, so we're going to do this game where the play-by-play is a woman, and the color commentator is a woman, and the the between-the-glass analyst is a woman, and then in the studio we have two or three women, and then behind the camera we have women. And that's all great. Um, And it was great to have them all work together. I think that you need to have that more of a regular thing. And then I think the other thing is, is that you need to have this current generation of women that are in these jobs as they move up, they need to be proactive. And I'm not saying necessarily hiring women over men, but they need to be in that position where they can do that and then it becomes a more balanced workforce and i know a lot of people are not going to like that answer um there were all the trolls on twitter who were just like oh what's the big deal so what woman's doing play-by-play blah 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 you know like whatever you know what i mean like in hockey that's a huge deal it is i'm not trying to make light of everybody else because yeah there's been women in the booth before there's been women you know, behind the counter, you know, Catherine Tappan's been on NBC Sports for a while. Long time. Uh, you know, quite quite a while. Yeah. But, I mean, it wasn't until 2006 that you actually had a female do color commentary on Hockey Night in Canada. Mm-hmm. And that was when Cassie Campbell was on because mm-hmm. she filled in for Harry Neal. And ever since then, you start to see okay, well, maybe we can put somebody over here. Maybe we mm-hmm. can send somebody down to the ice. And, mm-hmm. you know, so the fact that NBC did it, the fact that you you had the, um, the Calgary-Vegas game broadcast in the same way, um, where you had uh, Cassie Campbell, um, mm-hmm. you know, on the broadcast as, as well as Christine Simpson, and um who else was on there um oh my gosh i'm like losing my mind that's all right Um, but anyways but yeah so you know the fact that the fact that you had the leah hextall sorry i don't Mm. know why i couldn't couldn't think for a second but and tara sloan was there too that's right um so you know you get these you get these groups of women yeah, you're you're throwing them out there as a novelty. Yeah, it's Women's Day. We got to put all women. Let's let's do this. It's a celebration. Blah blah blah. Okay, but 
they actually, if you watch those broadcasts and watch the games, and they did a good job. They did a really good job. They know what they're talking about. They're entertaining. They're not just, you know, oh, look, there's there's players on the puck. Yay, hockey. Woo. Right. No, I mean. They're very insightful. They're very smart. They know what the hell they're talking about. In fact, many of them know even more than what the guys know because no one expects them to. So they do more of their research and they become more engaged and do better jobs well, because every- they have to. Being being on the fringe uh, as a sports writer, and I say fringe because I'm freelance. I'm freelance everywhere, right? So I'm kind of like on the fringes, you know what I mean? Of the solar system, I'm like, you know, that last planet, Pluto, if we want to count it or not. You know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of... Plutonians think it should be a planet. Yeah, I know. Um, I do too, actually. I like nine planets. But um, it's a nice odd number. But... Um, what I'm saying is every woman that I've spoken with who works in sports media, every woman who I've heard heard speak about sports media, they've all said they have to work twice as hard because exactly. because if they don't know something, then it's gonna be just like, oh, well, you're just a woman. You don't you don't know this, right? Like they have to they have to work, it's like they have to work harder to prove themselves, but it's not just with women, it's with ethnic minorities also who are working in sports media. It's like they have to be smarter. They have to know more. Their margin of error that's allowable is that much less because it's like if you make a mistake and you're in one of those uh, other groups that's not white and male, then you know any mistake that you make is going to be looked down upon more. Whereas if somebody like a Marv Albert makes a mistake, you're just like, oh, well, he's Marv Albert. He can make a mistake, right? You know, well, unless it's biting somebody in the back, but yeah, I know, sorry. right? Sorry, too soon for that one, too. No, that was like 20 years ago. Make all okay. the backbiter jokes you want, okay? Um, like, um, yeah, and uh, but anyway, so, um, yeah, so that's 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 the thing is like, yeah, I agree, it's not going to be an overnight change, but I think this is a good step in the right direction, and I, I. I don't know that it's necessarily going to be like all of a sudden every broadcast has at least one woman, at least, you know, one African-American, at least one, you know, I don't think it's going to become the United Colors of Benetton by any means. But I think that this does show that, hey, there's there's women out there that are just as deserving of these positions and to be put in these situations of being able to do the color on a game, being able to host the studio, do on ice interviews, do all of that kind of stuff. It doesn't just have to be guys. You know, I think that that shows that if it wasn't, here's the thing. If it, if they would have broadcast that and it would have been like really bad, like poor production quality and all of that kind of stuff, you knew it wasn't going to be, but if it would have been, that would have been the last time you saw it. Right. The thing and is, the it wasn't. Would have been, the haters would have been vindicated. Yeah. And so whether they were being extra careful as to what they did to make sure nothing went wrong, that's besides the point. What the point is, they did a good job. So, I mean, really, there's there's no reason. There's no reason otherwise. No, but so the yeah, so getting back to Jim's question, because obviously them doing a good job is not what's contested here. 
it's um open uh doors uh and like i, I think said, the door is open it's just gonna it's just gonna be a very slow very gradual change and for inclusion you know whereas like i mean you look at like now we have our first professional female professional pro hockey scout cami granado working for the new seattle team right this is huge this is right. huge you know and as women's hockey becomes uh more and more um popular more and more accepted and you have more and more of these like these very elite women hockey players who find their way into um into uh um you know commercials who's the one who does the commercial with uh pasternak oh the um the dunkin donuts the, the dunkin donut commercial yeah it's uh, kendall, uh, coin. kendall coin schofield kendall coin schofield right by the way uh pasternak's been he's been stuck at 48 goals for like two weeks now man is he gonna hit 50 anytime soon uh not at least until after the middle of may okay is that when you're wagering yeah probably because he won't be playing until then sucks if the season just ended and like it was like all right well you're at 48 goals 48 is a new 50 i guess i wonder how much coffee he's going to be drinking during this time (laughs) well okay so somebody like kendall coin uh you know she could obviously work as a color commentator right now like regularly you know i'll take her over pierre any day maybe you know maybe she ends up with the the expansion team maybe uh she takes Ronick's old spot on NBC. You know, you know what I mean? Like what I'm seeing is like the potential is there. We're getting this generation. And that's usually where it's, it, it's probably going to start with the, the players. They replaced Ronick already. Did you see that? With what? With who? Scotty Hartnell. Seriously. Like every, every spot that he was usually in Scott Hartnell was, has been doing those, um, doing that, that spot like was he doing every, the goofy stuff or was he just sitting in the middle of the desk well he already looks goofy so that's enough right but he he's not as brash as jr but he's more opinionated than sharpie he's not the clean you know i'm the clean cut guy and he's not He's not the Anson Carter, like dry personality guy. Um, he's he he's more of a personality from the player standpoint mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. of anybody that they had. So if I was to say that he was Jr. was replaced, I was him. Hmm. Sorry. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I guess guess that makes sense. So um, our other question from uh, a census blocker on Twitter who. Asked us a question a couple weeks back. He said, what piece of hockey memorabilia was so abundant back in the day, but have now become very hard to find, so you wish you put away? I don't know if he wrote this as a poem. What piece of hockey memorabilia was so abundant back in the day, but have now become very hard to find, so you wish you put away? Does kind of have a rhyme to it. Um, So I'll tell you, most of the stuff, that I want. This is why I love the so-called junk wax era. Because m- most of it is cheap. You know, most of it is cheap. And it's, the internet just makes it easier to find. So, like, all those... Cheap 90- or inexpensive? Whatever. Like, affordable. 
I feel bad when I canceled or paused. Paused. Um. Yeah, I'll take uh, I'll take paused hockey leagues for four hundred. Um. Anyway, so um, when I'm at a card show, and I see these guys working on these old baseball sets, and I know just how much money that's going to take them to do, and I get it because I want to collect old hockey sets. The thing is, is that I don't have the same connection. Talking like the old 60s, 50s and 60s, like high numbers and stuff like that. that yeah, really. Well, how many, 50, how many 52 high numbers do you still need? Oh, besides the mantle, I still need, you know, 80 of them. I'm probably going to be working on that until I'm dead. Ha, ha, ha. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, and I'm just like, oh, hey, look at this. A complete 1995-96 leaf set for $4. It's got the inserts. Cool. Here's my $4. You know what I mean? I have no complaints about that. Mid to late 90s inserts are hot again. That's like a hot market. People are clamoring for some of that stuff. Well, yeah, nostalgia. We're all looking back at our our pro set sets and say, hmm, I never did get all the PC inserts. Maybe I'll I'll pick them up now. But what I wanted to say was because what he asked about were memorabilia that was abundant back in the day, but now have become hard to find. And I'll tell you what the like the one thing that I collect, but I always pay a lot for. And I wish I bought them back in the day when they were retail price. And that was those Wayne Gretzky table hockey figures. Remember we talked about that on our, our holiday yeah. show about how I always wanted that game. So I remember Great. the gamers paradise at the mall that I used, one of the malls I used to go to quite regularly. They had all of the team packs. Toys R Us would have many of the team packs and they were usually like 20 bucks and you get five skaters, a goalie, a puck, and then a stand for all six uh, players, the five skaters and then a goalie. And then, you know, they'd have their individual stands that would interlock together and then you'd get a puck with the team logo. And uh, back in the day, I wanted to have all the teams but it seemed stupid to buy the teams when I didn't have the game to play. And I always asked my mom for that table for Christmas. She never bought it for me until it was finally on clearance. But I do remember when I was old enough to go to the mall by myself and I had my own money. And I remember buying the Blackhawk set because I just wanted it because they were little Blackhawk figures and I wanted them. So I bought them. And then I remember my Toys R Us for some reason, they had tons of Philadelphia Flyers and Minnesota North Stars. And I don't know why. I want to say they were shipped there by accident because they had tons of them. I mean, like hundreds of them. Like they had like. Why would a store in the Chicago area have those two teams? No, because they usually would ship them like to certain regions. North Stars kind of made sense because you'd have to have Blackhawks. Flyers didn't really make sense. And remember, this was back in the time when you had starting lineup sports figures where they had regional cases. Do you remember that? Like the Pittsburgh area, you would get a football case that had more Steelers players. Or in the Chicago area, you'd get a case that had more Bears players. So there are like certain starting lineup figures that are worth more money because they were regional 
They were regional distributed. Somebody like Walter Payton, everybody would get Walter Payton if he was even still playing when they were making lineups. Maybe not. You know what I mean? But like certain I players. I didn't know they collated the boxes differently for shipping in different regions. I know they made exclusive ones for regional stores. That came later. I yeah, I didn't know they sh- like basically short printed regional releases. Yeah. And they were only sent to certain markets. And we'll have to do a show about starting lineup hockey figures because I could talk your ear off that. That explains that why the one time I went to this old dealer in the town where I lived, he had 17 one Sam Wells. Uh-huh. Like, why would you have that many? That, that, that like didn't make any sense. He didn't have any Jay Bell. No Bobby Mania, mm-hmm. but seventeen Juan Sam Wells. Hmm. He must have got the he must have got like a Philly case by mistake. That that did happen. So anyway, so my Toys R Us they marked down. I don't know if they still had the flyers because I remember they marked them down to something ridiculous like three dollars and eighty four cents because they would always do their clearances at like these weird numbers like. or $3.84 or whatever. And so I bought a set of North Stars. So I had a set of Blackhawks and I had a set of North Stars. And then when I finally got the table, at that point, the teams were on clearance and I got another set of Blackhawks for like five bucks. And I got, uh, no, I think my girlfriend bought them for me. She bought me like a set of Blackhawks, two sets of Sharks. And then I was good, right? Like, because I had the benches, right? So you could put five Blackhawks on the bench, five on the ice, five Sharks on the bench, five on the ice. And I never did get around to buying the rest of the team packs because I was getting older. I probably wasn't as interested. I figured that I had everything that I needed. Now a set of North Stars goes for like over $100. And I'm talking about the ones in the green uniforms. The ones in the black uniforms also go for a lot of money. But for some reason, both the ones in the green and the ones in the black go for a lot of money, like $100, give or take. And, I mean, even, like, I want to say, like, I bid on a set of Nordiques, and I paid, like, 50 or $60 for it. And Jeez. it's just, it's like, they're up there. Like, um, certain teams, like Tampa Bay Lightning, Anaheim Mighty Ducks, right around at the end, like, with those expansion teams, so the Panthers, the Ducks, the Lightning... Those are harder to find. The Senators are easy to find for some reason. But, man, that's what I wish I bought back in the day. I wish I was just buying up those team sets. I really want to have one of every team. Eventually, I'd like to have all of the variants because depending on who made the figures, they differ. And then there are the uniform variants because, you know, the Penguins changed their uniforms in 92. So, like, all the Penguin figures pre-92 are in the black uniforms and in the ones post 92 are in the white uniforms with the yellow shoulders. So, um, that's what I regret not buying back in the day. That's one of two things. I could tell you about the other one, but I think you might've thought of one by now. Yes. Well, the only thing I can think of is going all the way back to when I was a kid. Um, the police department used to give out cards and of course they were regional cards they were stealers and they were part of their safety program mm-hmm. and so you had a stealer player on the front and on the back there were safety tips um and 
basically all you had to do to get a card is to walk up to a police officer and essentially ask him for a card. Well, we used to do that all the time as kids. And half of those ended up on the ground, in the street, in the garbage, stepped on, smashed one way or another. But there, it seemed like there was just an overabundance of these. And I had a few, but they disappeared. And then all of a sudden, I never saw them for years afterward. And then finally, probably, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe. I at a, just at some show randomly, there was a guy and he had the there there he was with the police sets, um, and so I I snagged a few of them. But back then there was just so much of that stuff; mm-hmm. it was just everywhere, and it, you could just easily get them. I mean, some of the cops would just pull out a handful and just hand them to you. Nice. So there was just like so much of it, and then all of a sudden I start thinking about them. I'm like, wonder what happened to those? And you start looking around for them and. I've never seen these. I've never seen these, but you know, obviously with eBay and stuff now, it makes it easier to to find that kind of thing. But that's the only thing I could think of that I remembered there was a lot of, and then I couldn't necessarily find. Maybe somebody else could have, but I couldn't. They were abundant when they come out, and then you kind of lose track of them. And then, like with like cards exploding, and then with like the internet, and then like with shows and stuff. Yeah, eventually it all kind of comes out again, doesn't it? Yeah, and the other thing, too, is, and we've talked about this before, is we're in kind of a pseudo-card revival period um, Mm -hmm. for various reasons. And, you know, it's obviously it's huge in in baseball and basketball, and it's bled over into football and, and hockey as well, but you're starting to see... I don't want to call it another boom period because we're far from that, but you're starting to see a lot of the parents of kids. So the 35 to 50 year olds Mm -hmm. that were kids in the eighties and early nineties that had all of this stuff or wanted all of this stuff, but never could afford it. And you now are older and have families and have, you know, your own income and have some, you know, throwing around money and be like, oh, look, I remember this as a kid. I always wanted this. Now I can afford to buy it. You know, oh, I always wanted this, these rookie cards from 1990 Upper Deck. Mm-hmm. And I was going to re- actually retire off of them and I was going to steal them from my friends. But now they're all worth 10 cents. So I'm glad I didn't commit a felony. Um, so, you know, it goes in cycles, you know, just like in the nineties, people started wearing bell bottoms again for some reason. Not me, man. Everything's like six secular. Well, I did, but that was just because my pants were too big. Ah, see, I would roll them. I'd, I'd, I'd I'd cuff them at the bottom. Did you tight roll them? Where you fold them and then you... Yeah, did you tight roll your pants back yeah, in the Yeah, I guess so. You kind of fold it in, and then, yeah, right around the ankle, and then fold, fold up, yeah. Nice. Didn't everybody? Uh, no, I could never pull that off. I have fat ankles. Well, the kids, the other kids were making fun of me for wearing bell bottoms, so I was just wearing regular jeans. But So then I started doing the roll, and then every, nobody ever made fun of me for wearing bell bottoms again. 
Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not the fashion guru when it comes to that kind of stuff. My fashion's a little behind the times most of the time. So, speaking of fashion, great segue for the other item I want to talk about because I don't think you'd ever guess this in a million years. The other thing that I could have bought back in the day that was plentiful, but is gone now. You want to take one guess? Beanie Babies. Try one more time. A pair of Zubas. A pair of what? A pair of Zubas. Oh, you're close. A starter jacket. Okay, well, I'll give you the starter jacket. A red Blackhawk starter jacket would have been awesome. I actually had a Washington Red Redskins starter jacket because for for a brief moment in time, for about a year and a half, for some reason, I was apparently a Redskins fan. I don't remember that part of my life, but apparently it happened. So uh, a Red Blackhawk starter jacket. That actually, I didn't think about that one. I'd love one of those. But back in the mid nineties, I want to say like ninety four, ninety five, Wayne Gretzky endorsed these shoes by L.A. Gear. They were called oh God. street hockey shoes. You know what I'm talking uh, about? Yes. So I think they, you could get those still. I think they brought them back, if mm, I'm not mistaken. So here's the deal. They were shoes. They were called street hockey shoes. They looked like ice skates. Like there were some that were black, all black, and yep. some of them were like black with like white panels, kind of like Gretzky skates sometimes had. And then the shoelaces were actually skate laces, but shorter. So skate laces are kind of fat. And then they have like little black tick marks on them, right? Back then, I never thought about buying a pair of them. But now I wish I did. Yeah, I do remember those. Although I don't remember any adults owning them. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. No adults owned these street hockey shoes. And so when I was... 20 or 21 i wasn't gonna buy them they weren't my style i'll tell you back then my style was denim and flannel i black leather boots or sometimes tan work boots but i was a boot guy never wore gym shoes never wore sneakers unless i was like running around so i wouldn't have bought them for running around and doing physical activities like if i went to the gym and I yeah. would not have bought them because they were endorsed by Gretzky. Now I want a pair. They are impossible to find in adult sizes. Yeah. And the only time I saw one in a size 11, it went for like over 150 bucks. And then I had to back out. I'm sure with all the whole culture of shoes, I'm sure they'll pop up at some point somewhere. Well, not for eBay, cheap, I guarantee, but on eBay, sure. the kid sizes always pop up, but the adult sizes almost never. Sometimes a 10, sometimes a 10 and a half. I need a size 11. They're not like ridiculously expensive, they're not like $500 Air Jordan expensive. Like, I don't think the sneaker heads have adopted these as like collectible shoes. Maybe they're too out there, but still, like over 150 bucks for like an adult size. Over 150 bucks for a pair of LA gears. <laughs> I know. Wasn't LA gear like the $25 shoes? Uh, yeah, more or less. Ask your parents for Nikes and they gave you LA gear. Right. Oh, it was like, it was like two steps down. You asked for Nikes, hope for Reeboks. You ended up with LA gear, but you were just glad they weren't like Keds, maybe. Buster Browns. 
Oh God, Buster Browns. I forgot about those. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, or the generic no-name Velcro strap shoes. <laughs> uh, you know what? Actually, as a kid, I think my mom probably spent a little more on shoes because she knew how bad it was to have uncomfortable shoes. Or depending on where you lived, <laughs> be a good opportunity to get your butt beat by whoever because of the kind of shoes you are. Or didn't wear, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing. So my Gretzky table hockey figures... And the Gretzky LA gear shoes go figure. You're all, you're all about the Gretzky stuff. Now I am. I mean, back then I wasn't like super fan number 99 over here. I just, you know, he was a great player. I'm glad I got to see him play in person. I'm glad I got to watch a lot of his big games on TV. But I wasn't somebody who just like collected his stuff. I didn't go out of my way to collect his things. Those figures, I mean, I liked that table hockey game. It just happened that he endorsed it. And it was the one that came out when I was a youth that was really big. So, of course, I'm going to have, like, all this nostalgic feelings about it. And then as far as the um, Gretzky shoes, now I think they're just kind of cool. Like, back then, I was just like, "Mm, whatever. And now I'm just like, yeah, those are cool. I could see myself wearing those. You could probably wear one on your toe. Considering all the small sizes. Sure, the the, the children's size 2.5. Yes. Yeah, that does me no good. So uh, I think we're ready to put a bow on this one. Tie a bow. Tie a bow. All right, that was a good show. Thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you like the show, please tell a friend. Please tell 10 of your friends. Please check out our group on Facebook. That's uh, facebook.com slash groups slash Puck Junk. Be sure to subscribe. Tell everyone you know. And uh, until next time, thank you again for listening. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.